This is Will Friedle, the voice of the future Dark Knight, Batman Beyond. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUreview.com and on your favorite podcast app. And remember a few things. First, Dana deserves better. And second, I am Batman. In the year 2039, Gotham City has no heroes. Its people, no hope. Its youth, no future. Terry McGinnis was part of the problem. You can't control your temper, and you're better if you expect to get anywhere in life. Yeah, I'll be a big success, just like you. Until a moment of violence brought him to the door of a man named Bruce Wayne. Let's put a smile on his face. Leave him alone. Once known as the Batman. You're something. You okay? Now, the Dark Knight will rise again to drive the shadow of evil from the streets of Gotham. Let's go! Super villains, beware! There's a new Batman in town! Batman Beyond! You're pretty strong for some clown who thinks he's Batman. I am Batman! Justice returns to Gotham. Welcome to my world. Hey everybody! Welcome to episode 171 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good front brother, good friend, I almost said brother there, good brother, <laughs> good friend, and the gentleman that runs our Twitter account. That's right, it is Liam. Liam, uh, we are here uh, in a month of Batman Beyond themed reviews as we continue uh, reviewing these in their original production not production order, air date, I guess. Whatever the air, whatever order it is on the DVD and Blu-ray and streaming service. So uh, we are here to review the next episode in order. Welcome to the DCA. That's right. We are back, and not only is this a uh, a a episode of Batman Beyond to review, but as teased last week, it is in fact the debut. An infamous debut, <laughs> in that this is uh, the first appearance of the titular character of the Zeta Project animated series, Zeta himself debuting in the aptly titled episode of Batman Beyond here, Zeta. That is right. So, as we revealed last week, this basically no longer gives us an excuse to avoid reviewing well it eliminates one of the excuses let me say that we still have plenty of excuses not to review the zeta project here uh that being the only dcau question mark show (laughs) that we have yet to review an episode of uh so uh unfortunately that day has come liam where we now must uh come up with other excuses as to why we're not going to cover that show but uh (laughs) yes we are we are here we have a an exciting review to talk about today Lots of things to discuss on the episode. And uh, before we do that, as we always do, uh, we have the official IMDb synopsis for this week's episode, which, of course, we're still waiting for a sponsor on that. If you'd like to sponsor that, uh, reach out to us. Uh, But uh, this episode originally debuted back on April the 8th, 2000, 
Meaning, again, Liam, this episode is now 21 years old as we just passed the 21-year anniversary of this debuting. That's right, and this is for the episode Zeta, which was written by Robert Goodman, directed by Dan Reba, with music by Michael McQuistian, and animation by Coco slash Dong Yang, and that synopsis reads as such. Batman meets a good-hearted, artificially intelligent robot assassin on the run from his creators. I like that they qualify it as a good-hearted robot assassin. That's a lot of syllables to say <laughs> in that voice I do. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's an okay synopsis. Um, as, as we sort of jump into plot here, yeah, we open in, uh, in Hamilton Hill High. Terry and, and Max are, are in class listening to a lecture from a, uh, from a, one of their teachers. And, uh, they, they kind of quickly notice that she seems to be reading off of a script, or at least she seems to be reading verbatim from this, uh, this article that they are discussing in the class, which... Uh, sort of sets off some alarm bells for Terry. He he kind of mentions that maybe this is just uh, just comes with the territory of being Batman. That you're sort of suspicious of everyone, and maybe they should lay off. But uh, uh, thanks to the arrival of some armed government agents and a uh, a firefight breaking out, uh, it's quickly established that Terry is in fact uh, correct in his suspicions. Yeah, disguised as uh, men from the telephone company, which of course is a term that uh, you always hear. Uh, in 2021, let alone 20, 30, <laughs> 40, 50 years from now, whenever now is, uh, the telephone company, of course, sending out agents, uh, you know, on the regular, out on the road. But uh, yes, these these secret agents disguised as uh, as members of the telephone company uh, confront Zeta and uh, immediately begin trying to wrangle him. There, as you said, a firefight breaks out. Terry uh, suddenly sees that the teacher, their 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 uh, biology teacher, I think it was, mm -hmm. their biology teacher, uh, escapes from a burning car crash by ripping the roof off of her car, and uh, engaging by pulling out weapons of their own and firefight uh, ensues as you mentioned. At one point, uh, escaping, but not before revealing their true self as a uh, as a as a robot in robot form, sort of. So. Uh, we learned that very quickly there, as you said, that, uh, yeah, this is going to be an interesting episode uh, that we sort of next ha cut to uh, Commissioner Barbara Gordon, who is doing some investigative work and discovers upon the actual real life biology teacher who has been tied up in her own basement and uh, kept alive. And then uh, we get Barbara Gordon sort of interrogating this special agent, Bennett, who is going to give her basically the rundown of just who Zeta is. And... You're not cleared for this information. But since it's loose on my streets, you're going to be smart enough to tell me what I'm dealing with. It's an advanced tactical synthoid, infiltration unit Zeta, designed for deep cover ops, replace, interrogate, dispose. You're not supposed to like it. High endurance endo frame equipped with a full array of weapons and tools. A holographic emitter on board conceals the rig while enabling Zeta to mimic its targets. And this you people release into a school? We didn't release it anywhere. It stopped following orders. Ours, anyway. Zeta was on a long-term assignment infiltrating a terrorist group. Six days ago, it went renegade. 
Why? How? We don't know. We think the terrorists got to its programming. We have to assume it's obeying them now. And that means we take it out. In a school, on a street corner, wherever we get the shot. We'll cooperate however we can. We learn that Zeta is a NSA project, that his whole responsibility is to not only learn and, and replace people uh, based on their certain... Uh, he has a holographic ability to replace people by looks and impersonate them, but really his ultimate goal and his many missions that he's completed on their behalf has been to seek out enemies of the U.S. government, uh, infiltrate, and then replace uh we see well the term he uses is actually replace interrogate dispose so uh you know there's there's certainly a killing aspect that's included there and terry happens to be standing uh directly over barbara's shoulder he remembered he could turn invisible for this scene only uh but yes so he also gets all the lowdown as well and and barbara is uh is is a little bit worried about the fact that the NSA might uh, continue to have firefights on the street of Gotham with this robot that's running around. Yeah, and they they sort of have a, a little bit more dialogue as as Terry says. Well, at least it's it's out of the school now. It'll be less dangerous. But uh, Barbara is is quick to point out that there must have been a specific reason that this highly advanced assassin bot would be hiding out at a high school beyond just uh, camouflaging. So. We do, in fact, quickly find out that not only has uh, has Zeta returned to the high school, but that he's taken the form of Max. In fact, we have a scene where she uh, happens to be researching uh, blueprints for the for the the Z8 robot, and and notices that uh, that it has a homing beacon. It's sort of looking at blueprints for it, and. Uh, in the process, she's sort of interrupted by Dana, and we sort of quickly figure out something's not quite right, and. Dana, what's up? Thought you might need a ride to Wynn's study group tonight. No thanks, I'll see you there. You know where Wynn lives, right? I'll get directions from her. <laughs> Him. You said her? Wynn's a guy. Sorry, concentrating. What else is new? Then we, we get to reveal sort of at the end of the act there as we go where the, uh, the commercial break would have been then, in fact, yes. Uh, Zeta has replaced Max and is, is sort of keeping her hostage at this uh, electronics factory as, uh, as, as it continues to sort of research and try to figure out uh, how to get this homing beacon removed. Yeah, and as you mentioned, there's a, a brief slip-up where, uh, where he's acting as Max. He mistakenly calls one student a she instead of a he, Dana sort of laughs it off and, and he's able to explain it away as being tired or, or focused on what he's doing at that time. However, in the very next scene, uh, we see that Terry has a interaction with Max, this, uh, th well, Zeta Max, not Beta Max, but Zeta Max, <laughs> uh, in this, uh, and he's able to deduce fairly quickly that, that this is not in fact the real Max because he sort of alludes to his uh, needing help with uh, with distracting Dana or keeping Dana preoccupied again, Dana, my girl, <laughs> she deserves better, so much. Better. All her friends lie to her. Yep, she she deserves better friends, a better boyfriend, a better life. That's right. Yes, 
and uh, and he quickly deduces based on the fact that she appears to have no knowledge of what he's talking about or alluding to. He doesn't come out and say, "My, I need to go be Batman tonight," but he sort of he alludes to having a night job. Hey, workaholic, let's get some chow. Genoa and Swish, your fave. Thanks, Terry, but I have a lot to do. Maybe see you after school. You kidding? With what's been going on, the night job's been full time lately. In fact, I could use your help covering with Dana. Sure. What does she need? Know what? I just remembered I'm free. I will see you after school. And she has no sort of reaction to that, so he immediately figures out that maybe something's up. So we get the next scene where Zeta returns to this factory and uh, this chip con is what it's called, where they're manufacturing chips and his hideout where he has Max, Max tied up and Max is actually just about to escape. It looks like she's up. She's prying back the door and the door opens up and uh, well, Zeta walks in at that point and uh, there's some, some back and forth where uh, Max ta uh, sort of taunts Zeta a little bit and it appears that she's af afraid that Zeta's going to turn around and, and maybe kill her at that point. But instead, he just provides her with her favorite sandwich, which is a uh, Genoa and Swiss on, on bread. So I got to say, it left me a little hungry in that moment <laughs> thinking about that. But he provides that to her. And there's a conversation that begins to have. Max begins to see a different side of, of Zeta. And it's interesting because that initial converse or that initial lecture that they were delivering as the biology teacher was sort of talking about the difference between nature and nurture and whether or not creatures or people that are born with a certain DNA or a certain proclivity to do things can actually fight against their inherent nature. So it really lays the groundwork for what ultimately mm -hmm. becomes, you know, the, what happens in the rest of this. As, uh, as Terry shows up as Batman and he's ready to jump into action uh, right after Zeta has decided to sort of turn over a new leaf as Max appeals to him and asks him what's changed and, and, and why all of a sudden he has sort of rebelled against his programming. He explains that he's, uh, he was set out to replace somebody. Genoa and Swiss, your fave. Why so nice all of a sudden? It is not all of a sudden. I have taken great care not to injure you. Being held hostage isn't exactly five-star treatment. This detainment was necessary. Why? What are you after? My freedom. This filter will disrupt my homing beacon. They will not be able to find me again. Those guys who are after you, they built you? Yes. I was created for one purpose, to destroy. I do not wish to destroy anymore. Prove it. If you don't want to be a killer, then why carry around all those weapons? They will destroy me. I must defend myself. Even if it means killing? You're a smart guy. If you really don't want to hurt anybody, you'll find another way. Max points out that the may be talking about doing that but he's still attempting to fight back and with weapons and kill the nsa that's attempting to kill him so he may want to think about a different way of of trying to evade and how he can do so without ending lives and that's kind of when terry shows up <laughs> yeah that's and that's sort of that's kind of almost the rest of the episode almost we we see batman and zeta have a fight and and we sort of see Zeta throughout this this fight still being very violent, still sort of fighting to kill, despite having thrown down his, 
his guns, he, he's still very apt at, uh, you know, utilizing his environment to, uh, to create some lethal, uh, lethal weaponry. Uh, and, and then we also see, uh, finally though, as, as the fight goes on and he's able to knock Batman out, he's sort of, Batman is on this conveyor belt and appears like he's about to be crushed by some of the machinery and Max sort of appeals to it, to, to Zeta to save him. And he, and he does. And, and right then, uh, Bennett and some of the other agents break in and, once again, Zeta uh, utilizes some of the uh, the weaponry around him—a laser that was attached to this sort of microchip machine—and uh, uh, uses that as a weapon against the uh, the uh, the agents. And finally, Terry and and Zeta and, and Max are able to escape. And and uh, Zeta Zeta really wants to turn over a new leaf. He wants to leave, and and Max sort of believes in him. But Terry's not really quite sure how to how to feel, especially because of what he saw in that in that firefight with the agents where yeah maybe it's maybe he doesn't want to do that but it's clearly hardwired into him to kill and to and uh you know to, the way he sort of took charge of this this uh you know welding laser and and turned it into a deadly weapon is it it it's giving Terry some pause and again kind of goes back to what we talked about at the start of the episode which is Terry sort of feeling are again struggling with his own sort of inherently suspicious nature that he's established with himself since uh sort of becoming batman um and and that sort of leads us to our final scene zeta and max sort of create a new disguise for him rather than taking on the uh the appearance of a specific person he's able to sort of combine elements of other people that he has replaced before into a new identity and uh and sort of takes off hoping to catch a train out of town but uh Due to some scuffling with a <laughs> some twenty uh, something skiers that happened to be uh, in the uh, at the train station with him, he's uh, he's exposed as having uh, having uh, he's exposed right in front of one of the one of the agents, and once again has to go on the run, and it creates kind of this interesting final fight, and we'll talk some more about the the action specifically when we get to visuals, certainly, but uh, it creates this final fight where. It seemed to me what they were going for is that Batman doesn't want to directly fight the government. Yeah. So he's kind of like hanging in the background. He's like pushing boxes over onto guys or he like ties up a guy by the feet from behind. Doesn't go invisible, nope. which would have made sense here, but forgot that. Yeah, forgot, forgot that, that once again. Um, but uh, it, yeah, we all it all sort of comes to a head as, as as Zeta takes Zeta and Batman sort of take down most of the agents there. Once again, confronted by Bennett, and and uh, Bennett pulls a gun on him, and and Zeta knocks him down, picks up the gun, and trains it on Bennett, and Batman's sort of standing there, ready to strike if if Zeta is is uh, is going to take Bennett's life here, but instead Zeta crushes the gun and says that he decides who he is, not uh, not the programming that was put into him and a very iron giant moment if yes, you watch that movie. Yes, absolutely. It's and it's yeah, it's a moment of uh, it's the some people deserve to have their faith rewarded uh, moment for Batman too. For sure. Uh so and and then the the agents and Bennett sort of all converge on Zeta, shoot him and uh, knock him off of a uh, of a balcony and he seems to fall to his uh, destruction on the ground below in the alley. But that itself was just another illusion that Zeta was able to create, and he's able to get away, and and Batman sort of sets off a bomb to cover his escape, and and that's sort of where we where where we leave it, 
as uh, Zeta is able to escape, get on the train out of town, and, and Batman flies off into the uh, into, into the night. That's right. All right. Well, that's a that's the plot synopsis here, so we can get into our plot scores here. Um, I will say this has uh, I I think you know in doing our research for the episode and ultimately you know this became a spinoff uh, that we've talked about and alluded to a couple times here. Um, Robert Goodman is the is the creator of this character, and uh, so it's it's interesting it's interesting that I I don't know we haven't really been able to to uncover whether or not this was originally intended to be a backdoor pilot of some kind or if WB just liked the idea and they're like hey let's we're looking for new shows let's let's take one of these characters from batman beyond and do a spinoff and they're like yeah that's a great one that's easy so it's hard to say whether or not this was exactly you figure if it was a backdoor pilot that it would have matched a little bit more of the animation style or the, mm. which all of that changes the, the look of the yes. character the animation style all of that is very very different in the actual zeta project show so you would think that maybe that was an afterthought. It was, hey, we're looking for a show. We're going to throw this in there. They recast people. There's a lot of differences between mm-hmm. the actual show and what he looks like here. So with that said, it, we know that this was a little bit based off of, or that show ended up being based off of uh, The Fugitive, you know, this, this idea that there are weekly episodes where he's sort of constantly evading the authorities who are coming after him. And in the meantime, he's sort of solving crimes it's also a very incredible hulk from the you know the bill bixby oh, yeah. incredible hulk series uh from the 70s sim- very similar format in that you know there's a new he's constantly on the run from the from the government has a you know an interaction with the you know the freak of the week so to speak and then mm-hmm. then ends up having to leave town at the end of the episode so with that i think th- that as a that works clearly mm-hmm. it certainly works in the superhero world for at least a period of time i don't know that i i would have knowing that that those other series exist and i wouldn't have necessarily like to rip off incredible hulk series from dc yeah. uh, but i it okay you're you're trying a a a a, a something that we know works a a a proven a proven concept here when it comes to a superhero show so with that said, I and and the idea of the redemptive robot, can sure. we fight against our nature? All of that stuff is those are good, like very familiar superhero tropes. Yeah, comic book tropes. But I don't love the execution. I think of this. I don't love the episode as a whole. I think that the explanation of why he ended up going to Hamilton Hill as, as of all the places, yeah. you know, Oh, well it has less security than a national security agency. Well, yeah, no kidding. Like, of course it does. Oh, we're going to find, I'm going to find somebody as smart. Who's, who's smart that I'm going to be able to take their identity. So there's nobody thinking that it's odd that I'm here in the school. Well, why, why was he hiding as a biology teacher? then? <laughs> I don't understand. He had yeah. to do extra reconnaissance at that point. Yeah, I guess my thought is also, and obviously the answer is because they decided he was going to kidnap Max and that that was going to be how Terry figured this out. But it's like, you would think maybe if you, with what's been established, maybe he's at Wayne Tech or something and he's posing as an executive or a scientist at Wayne Tech and uh, Bruce Wayne not in this episode at all. Um, Not not so, for a second. Uh, and again, we we've talked about that before that the the later seasons of Beyond had more of a mandate to take place in the high school and 
And again, I don't I don't think it's it's inherently bad that they went that way, but yeah, I do think the idea that like, oh, well I don't want to go to a government facility. Okay, that makes sense. So I went to a high school. A high school, right. Instead of, you know, a private company's uh, you know, uh, d- you know, technology division or, or, or whatever. I, I, I question, I question that a little bit, but, um, yeah, I mean, overall, the, I think my thought with Zeta has always been, it's a robot and right. that inherently makes it less, feels like there aren't stakes to a lot of this stuff for right. me. Uh, if it was like a metahuman that could shape change and had been sort of brought up in this private, if, you know, if they could have retroactively kind of tied it to Cadmus, which I guess they kind of do anyway. Sure. In Justice League Unlimited, they established that like uh, you know General Hardcastle uh, was you know was part of the the team that helped develop these Z eight uh, combat droids that the Justice League uses for training and stuff. Synthoids, you got yes, synthoids, synthoids, right? Very different. Um. Uh, but because there isn't really an overt connection there, because it's not a, a a person, it doesn't really feel like there's. It doesn't feel to me like there was any great stakes. Also, and I think this was obviously changed for the series. He doesn't even have a, like a face, right? So he has like this weird sort of. Uh, and we'll get more into this in visual, but he's got the True Religion logo. As yes. <laughs> Every time I look at him, I'm like, man, I could use some really expensive jeans from the early 2000s Heck right yeah. now. Yeah, that's, that's a great fool. But yeah, he has this weird sort of like half curve piece of metal as his head. Horseshoe. It's yeah. Like, yeah it's... Uh, and so it, there's not, there's no emoting from him. And we'll get into it. Like I, we'll get into voice acting and visuals in a little bit here. But uh, yeah, just for me, I didn't think the character was that interesting like it's interesting basic idea of the agent that turns on his you know on his agent on the agency and no longer believes in their mission and and just wants to be free and he's being chased because of you know all the information he knows and everything i think that all works i just think the fact that it's a robot kind of lessens any importance and i also think and if we get into like what would have made a spin-off more interesting to me he sh- like Max should have gone with him. I think. Sure. If yeah. if it like they introduce a female counterpart for him in the Zeta show, if that was Max, I would care more about it. Agreed. But it was just another new character that they introduced for the show. Um. So like yeah, there. So it doesn't really feel like Batman's world is changed at all, or the greater. We talk about that a lot when we get to the end of our episodes. The greater DCAU as a whole, despite the show leading to a spinoff, it still doesn't feel like the world at large is all that different because there's a robot that can look like people running around. So agreed. Agreed. I think the other thing that they could have considered doing is that you didn't, you didn't have the NSA actually be your main sort of antagonist here because so uh, they allude to the fact that he's uncomfortable. He gets uncomfortable at this point after he sees the daughter of this accountant ride her bike for the first time and he experiences living this guy's life uh and and realizes that going forward this guy is going to die they're going to end up without a a father or a husband i was programmed to maintain the secrecy of my own existence anyone i replaced saw what i was and could never be set free but you didn't want to kill this terrorist guy he was not a terrorist his associates were terrorists he was an accountant. So he was innocent? Yes. 
But that is not why I spared him. Replacing him required that I live with his family. I watched them experience life. I saw his daughter ride a bicycle for the first time. I could not deprive her father of seeing her grow just because he knew I existed. Wow. So why the high school? I needed computers and electronic equipment. Compared to a government site, a school has little security. And once you saw who's who at the school, I was the natural choice. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's, he's uncomfortable with that, and that's why he rebels against his programming. But we don't flat out make the NSA the villain either. It's not like in Captain America, like the, you know, the, win the Winter Soldier, right. where we learn that, you know, oh, the, the government has been taken over by a terrorist organization the whole time. Right. Or, you know, even, I mean, the, the recent Suicide Squad movie does a great job of making the government yes. the villain. They like, do not shy away. It's not like one guy in the government is bad. They <laughs> Right. Everybody, and that's that's not even a spoiler, like that, that was pretty evident in the first Suicide Squad movie yes. also. But So that theme continues that Amanda Waller is the bad guy. Like mm -hmm. Amanda Waller is the villain of, of the villains. There's other people in the movie that end up being villains, but she's a villain the entire time and it, they don't shy away from that. So agent Bennett is simply just trying to recover the robot that has gone against its programming. They aren't even trying to get it back into, they're not even talking about like, well, we need to get this guy back to kill the guy. That's actually not bad. Like right. they just need to get it, it. They feel like it's gone haywire and they need to, do its programming like it's right. a robot we need to get it back on program so i i don't think they did a great job of making the nsa the straight up villain either which makes this feel at times like okay he's running away and yeah he they're trying to kill him but he's a robot and that's he's rebelling against his programming so what else are they gonna do like yeah let him go <laughs> shake yeah shake hands and part ways like no that's that's kind of their responsibility i didn't have any emotional connection to zeta yeah i think that's i think that's what we both come to there is there's there's not a lot of emotional connection to a robot at least not in this 22 minutes I, again iron the iron giant is, pro is probably one of my favorite movies of all time yeah. they do a great job of helping you to connect emotionally to a robot in that movie mm-hmm this not so much because you didn't have as much you didn't have a full length full length feature film to you know create a story and 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 character that is a little bit more relatable or emotionally uh, easier to connect with i'd say so for all of those reasons uh, i ended up giving plot a 5 out of 10 what about you yeah i went i went one tick higher i went 6 out of 10 i don't like i said i think as it stands like as a genre episode as we said uh, Robert Goodman, very influenced by The Fugitive specifically. Uh, uh, like, I think it's there's some fun, like, cool spy espionage. I think especially in the second half, once uh, Batman and Terry, uh, ba Batman and, and Max and Zeta are kind of all on the same page. I think there's some fun sort of espionage thriller elements to it. Um, so I do think there's fun to be had with this episode. And as a concept, there's an interesting idea in there. But it's just, uh, you know, if, if like I said, if I think if, if either Zeta had been a human character who could shapeshift or, or yeah, maybe a, a stronger villain, uh, this could have been a little bit more interesting. Or even, like, a clearer idea of what Zeta wants to do Yeah. now that too. he's not a robot he's or a robot killer. <laughs> like, is he going to go, like, start a family? Is he going to go, you know, is he going to work for 
you know, a different organization. Like, we don't know. Obviously, again, we have a whole series to explore what he wants to do after after uh, leaving Gotham. But, yeah, at the time, it just kind of ends. And, like I said, I don't I don't hate it at all. But it's not, uh, it definitely feels like if we, we tweaked this, we changed this a little bit, we could have had something maybe even more, again, for me, and for I think for you as well, uh, a little bit more compelling for us, at least. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, man, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be animation and visuals. I believe this week was done by Coco and Don Yang. Correct. So, uh, yeah, uh, we have this episode directed by Dan Reba. Uh, so what stuck out for you? We do have, of course, we're back to digital animation here. We're back to uh, the world of Batman Beyond and Gotham. So we have uh, a little bit visually different than, than what we've covered the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, so what stuck out for you this week as far as visuals were concerned? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the first thing that comes to mind is the, the Zeta design itself. And one thing I do generally like about it, despite, like I said, I think it's hard, it's hard to feel for him because he doesn't have a face. But the way that they sort of show when he's transforming into different people, because at first he's... You know, the, the teacher, Miss Martell, he's he's pretending to be at the start as sort of this short, a little bit overweight woman. Later on, he's obviously he's uh, masquerading as Max and and other various people throughout the episode. And, and sort of when he so when he's playing a woman like you see his the the exoskeleton that is his body sort of contorts and shrinks down and the the head piece sort of shrinks down into the neck. So I thought they did some clever things of showing like. Well, if someone bumped into this, you know, woman on the street and it's just a hologram and it was actually a seven foot tall robot, you would feel that. So the idea that he actually like physically makes himself smaller or skinnier or wider, depending on who he's uh, shape changing into. I thought that was a pretty neat touch to the uh, the overall design of, of that character. Yeah, because that's something you don't always see the detail like that is not necessarily thought about when you when you're doing a, a children's cartoon, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, not necessarily thought about, well, they'll just understand it's a, it's a hologram. It's a hologram covers everything. So, right. yeah, I, I will say I felt at times, I, I like that aspect of it. I will say at times that it comes across, I don't want to say is lazy, but it's, they, they didn't really do an effect when he's sort of phasing through his hologram. It's just like animation going into animation yeah. at times. So he reaches into his jacket to grab his, or into his rib cage where his weapons are in that yes. opening scene to pull out his guns. And his hand just disappears into the animation and comes out. And I get it. It's a hologram. Mm-hmm. It, it makes sense. We see it played out throughout the entire episode. It's very consistent. That happens again when the ski goes through him at, right. the, end, at, the, at the train station. But I feel like some sort of effect to kind of give you maybe just like a, a little distortion or a little bit of, you know, something to to show you that the the hologram is being affected mm-hmm. would have would have been a little bit would have been a little bit smoother. I don't know. Would have been a, given it more of a, a it, it just really stands out. I feel like in a negative way when he puts his own hand inside his sleeve or he puts his hands in his ribs or what have you it's just it it feels very lazy at times yeah yeah i think that's that's a fair point um yeah as, as far as the rest of the episode like we said he has these guns in his rib cage which he sort of dramatically throws away at one point in the episode i do like the bits there where he sort of makes makeshift weapons when he's when he's fighting batman he basically goes up to like a uh, a power line or, or a circuit breaker and, and just grabs it and and grabs hold of the wires and then 
uh, like a circle opens in his hand and he fires out uh, electricity out of it like he's Iron Man. I thought that was kind of cool. And he takes the wire, as, as I mentioned, from this like welding laser and plugs it into his chest and then turns it into like a giant laser bazooka. I thought that was that's a pretty neat sequence. Yeah, I think that that whole fight scene that he ends up with Batman uh, is where you get most of the most of the action that isn't just laser fights back and yes. forth, like gunfight back and forth. So the fight the fight that Batman and he have is a is sort of breaks up the monotony of just shooting guns at each other, shooting lasers at each mm-hmm. other. And I thought some of that stuff was pretty innovative, like you said, him grabbing that wire and plugging it into his chest and turning turning it into a giant Gatling gun. You know, sort of firing mm-hmm. rapid fire at the you know at the at the NSA agents. Really, really cool. Like just a mm-hmm. just a great shot overall. Uh, and then Batman actually swoops in and begins using it in a similar <laughs> way, but he shoots he shoots it at the wall, I think, instead or the ceiling instead yes. of the actual agents themselves. So, uh, yeah, that that scene sort of breaks up the monotony a little bit. There wasn't we didn't really get to see much in the way of transformation other than when Max at the end tells him to sort of come up with his own persona and she encourages him to sort of mix it up. So we mm-hmm. get to see him sort of put those pieces together a little bit and it appears uh, like no human that has ever existed before or ever <laughs> will in, in all of human existence. But uh, yeah, he went very subtle with his his uh, conglomeration of humans that, that he ended up persona that the ski ended up going through so violence is hardwired into him it's what he is he can fight that i know he can max he held you hostage you want to let him do that to someone else i'm sorry it was my only choice it's the only way i know to acquire an identity well we're gonna have to come up with another way aren't we does your memory still hold all those people you uh, replaced before yes well then why not mix them up you know, one guy's hair, another guy's eyes. That way you could decide who you want to be. Mix them up. I should go. They'll have followed my last signal to this area. Good luck, Zeta. Uh, his, his persona at the end was a little <laughs> more normal looking, I feel like. so. Yeah that, yeah, that final sequence, I don't... It's one of those things where... For most of the episode, it's 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 kind of the Star Wars thing where people are just firing lasers at each other and missing. Right. Uh, and then at the end, all of the uh, Bennett and all of the uh, the agents do start hitting Zeta, at, but there's no like visible damage on his frame. He's right. just sort of getting knocked backwards, um, which I guess because it was going to turn out that he faked any damage to himself, so they couldn't have actual like holes going through him and stuff like that. But makes sense. Uh, but that's again we've talked about that. That's usually a hallmark of a robot or any non-human uh, villain in one of these one of these shows. Is they they always took that as an opportunity to to blow it up or rip it apart or dismember it in some hugely violent way that they could never do with a with a normal human in an episode. But yeah, I mean that I mean that final little bit there. I think it's clever there where he falls off the uh, the building and you look down, you see like him almost completely dismembered and fire and then. As Batman swoops down, the the hologram goes away, and he just sort of stands up as normal. I think that's kind of a, a clever little bit there. And yeah, the transition from that, there's like a little glitch that happens. You see in the way when he transforms back from this mm. exploding pile of debris back into uh, his standard form. So I, I thought that was done really well. That's kind of what I wish they had done. You know, having that little glitch as he puts his hand in him through. It's only three or four times. Too, right. So it's not like it's not like they're like, oh, we need to save money for the, the end <laughs> here. It's like could could have. I feel like he could have done that. 
throughout. Um, I, I think the NSA agents look fine. There's, you know, they all have these uniform dark suits with green goggles on. I guess that's in the future. The NSA just hands out green goggles. When is, you um, is Bennett a descendant of the weather wizard? Do you 100%. think? 100%. Same, similar, mo- similar same, pattern. same hairstyle, same like general jawline. That's right. Green, and, and the green goggles. Affinity for green goggles. That's right. That's yeah. Like that's like a like a great nephew of of, <laughs> of the weather wizard, as far as I'm concerned. Hey, it's canon until proven otherwise. That's right. right. That's right. That's our that's our role on the show. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I said, I th- I think the 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 Zeta design itself. Again, I didn't love because it doesn't emote, but I I did like the cleverness of sort of the way the skeleton moves around and and everything and yeah i think as the episode goes on you that that scene with batman and him and and then the agents coming in is is fun and i do think there's there's some cool moments there and and even that opening sequence when you're not when you're not quite aware what's going on uh and and the you know the hands burst out of the top of the the flaming car and and this you know this you know, older woman bursts out of it and starts pulling guns out. It's it's a pretty wacky sequence. Uh, I settled on a seven seven out of ten for visuals. I I like it, um, but I think I, especially with the tools they were kind of given, I kind of was hoping to see Zeta use some other sort of ingenuitive weaponry in the final fight, even sure. if it was non lethal stuff. Um, uh, he does use the ski as a weapon. That was that was yeah, pretty funny. Does. But uh, but yeah, we don't uh, we don't really get to see him. And, and yeah, and that sort of dramatic posing of of him pulling the gun on Bennett and Batman pulls the battering out and is ready to throw it and and then Zeta crushes the gun. That's that's good and dramatic and well done. But uh, yeah, so a, a solid seven out of ten for me. There you go. Uh, I went just a tick lower. I went a six out of ten. I will say, speaking of batarangs, there is some inconsistency throughout the episode. Is mm-hmm. uh, at least on two occasions, Batman throws a batarang, and then in the very next cutscene, it's turned into those little half disc, like bat disc things that he shoots out of his wrists. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how or why that would have changed from scene to scene, <laughs> but uh, it sure does if you if you stop it and watch. And we're again we're watching this on the the well it's all it was all digital animation anyway, but we're watching this on the fabulous HBO Max streaming service. So as far as we know, it's the most up to date revision of, of all the the episodes of this animation. So uh, yeah, uh, those those are still there as far as for some reason Batarangs turning into bat discs. There are a couple, there's a back-to-back scene, there's a scene where the NSA is uh, still trying to track Zeta, and they're inside this uh, moving van on a, on the highway, and there's a there's a green glow, it's all dark inside except for the green glow coming from their computer, so the entire scene is sort of shaded with this very neon green coming from the mm-hmm. computer, I thought that that was done well, and then immediately from that they cut to the, cut back to the Chipcon plant and uh that's that's a very cold blue color mm-hmm. that they ended up going with with that and i thought it was a it was a great uh it was a great transition from you know you're you're in the strategy war room mobile war room if you will uh on the road here and it's bright green and there are these agents huddled around a computer and then the very next scene it's cold and dark and blue and you just have machines running and manufacturing i thought that was great um in within that fight between batman and and uh, Zeta, there is also, as you mentioned, he he sort of plugs it. He grabs a hold of, of an electrical line and then shoots electricity through his hand and then mm-hmm. electrocutes Batman. I did like that that as well. But um, as far as excitement goes, there's not a whole lot 
to, to no. really look at and say, oh, yeah, that was really, really exciting, really good. There's a car chase at the beginning, uh, but that lasts a very, very short, a short amount of time before they crash and, and the gunfighting begins. So um, because of all those things, that's why I ended up giving it just a above average 6 out of 10. Very good. All right, Liam, let's move on to music now. Uh, music this week is done by... I didn't didn't make Michael it up. Oh, Michael McQuestion, you, as you tell me. Michael, <laughs> Michael McQuestion did the, did the music for this week's episode. So uh, Mr. McQuestion took care of the music this week. And I got to say, there's only really one scene that I feel like the music really stood out to me. Uh, we have some classic Batman drums and guitar and, and synthesizer for the majority mm-hmm. of it. Um, but for me, the main standout was that sort of final sequence as they shoot it at Zeta and he falls off the roof. Did you, did you have anything that specifically stood out for you? Yeah. Uh, I think the music, when he is telling Max, uh, the story of having replaced this man and, and seeing and living with his family, uh, it's, it's, it's very un Batman beyond music. It's, it's, it, we're sort of very much back to sort of classic DCAU music. It's mostly strings and, and very sort of soft, somber music. And it's, it's not, again, it's not like a, a super hummable, uh, piece of music or anything necessarily, but I did thought, think that it added, uh, a little bit of atmosphere to sort of lay off the, the electric guitar and, and the synthesizer there and just let the, the strings kind of do their work because they're sort of, you know, th- this is the moment theoretically where, where Zeta rebelled against his programming and him speaking about, you know, not wanting to deprive, uh, you know, a father of seeing, of seeing their, their children grow. And, and at the same time, not wanting to deprive the children of, of seeing their father ever again. And I thought the the music in that scene, it's, it's very soft and understated, but I thought it did a good job of adding to that moment. There you go. Yeah, and I think that that final sequence on the roof there, as as they're shooting, the agents are shooting at him, and it seems like Zeta's story is coming to this sort of tragic ending here, mm-hmm. as he's sort of refusing to fight back. He's just mm-hmm. he's just accepting what's coming. He's gonna fall off this roof, and he falls down, and music swells to a very tragic end there, and they look over the edge, and it sort of leads you to this somber single note, and they look down as as you know, this pile of debris is smoking and there it is. Fire. Get down there. Retrieve the synthoid. Come on, let's go. Around this way. He fell over here. And the uh, Batman flies down and uh, sees Zeta get back up, and the music sort of again, we're just very understated in the background as. Zeta gets back up, transforms, looks at Batman, and then walks off. And then Batman drops the bomb, a, a bomb to sort of cover mm-hmm. his tracks, and the music sort of swells again as Batman flies off. And um, that was the that was the one scene that I felt like really stuck out f- for me. So mm-hmm. uh, not not anything really bad this week. Uh, we didn't really get a true Zeta theme that I was able to sort of recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, again, maybe not as as much opportunity for them to to establish one here, 
Um, so, you know, and if this is a, this is not a backdoor, official backdoor pilot, they didn't have all that stuff figured out yet on a Zeta right. theme and all of that. So, uh, for all of those reasons, I, I do think that that final scene is pretty powerful. I agree with you that the scene where he's recapping to Max is pretty good. Also the, the chase scenes and the fight scenes mm-hmm. have great classic Batman beyond rhythm music in the background. So I ended up giving music a, a six out of 10. What about you? Yeah, I went. Uh, I went the exact same score. I also went a, a six out of ten for music this week. Uh, yeah, I, I think even the little uh, little bit at the end there, as as we see sort of Zeta get on the train and and we cut back to Terry who's sort of watching from the building and he kind of smiles and then turns to fly away. And the music there, it's it's sort of uh, it's of a similar uh, uh, of note to the the end credits music. So I think it kind of kind of feeds into that end credits which ironically of course you never heard the end credits music when you if you were watching this on kids wb back in the day right but now that we're watching it on uh, on a streaming service or on or on, on, on our blu-rays that's uh we're able to actually kind of hear that uh, that that uh transition go actually a little i think it's a little more uh seamless as you hear the the music sort of start to ramp up a little bit as 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 we as uh, terry flies off into the night there so yeah some 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 good stuff nothing Nothing tremendous, not a, not maybe Mr. McQuistian's best work, but uh, still some good stuff to be found. Very good. All right, Liam, let us wrap up our episode this week as we begin to talk about our voice cast. So I know that we have uh, a fairly large voice cast this week. Uh, a lot of regulars and originals returning that we have to talk about. And, uh, and one voice that, uh, I guess, Zeta's voice, which ended up being... Uh, maybe the biggest guest star of all, but uh, we do have a few other voices you may recognize uh, here as well, playing minor roles. Uh, let's talk about this week's voice cast. Yeah, so uh, as far as our regular uh, guest casts, we briefly have Lauren Tom as Dana. Uh, we briefly have uh, Stockard Channing as Barbara Gordon. I think we're getting to the end of Miss Channing's episodes, because uh, I believe post the Return of the Joker movie, uh, Angie Harmon takes over that role. Okay. So, uh, cause I, at least in the movie, I know it's not, uh, it's not Starker Channing. That was actually part of the recasting was she was not available during the recording for the movie. Um, so I think this is maybe one of the last times we'll hear, uh, Miss Channing as Barbara, but, uh, yeah. And then, uh, and of course we have, uh, Cree Summer as Max. We'll talk more about her in a minute, but, uh, yeah, as far as our, our guest cast goes, we, uh, we do have, uh, a few notable ones, uh, Joe Spano as as Bennett, uh, who uh, who folks might know from among other things, uh, Apollo thirteen, uh, as well as Hollywoodland and and quite a few different uh, television shows uh, and the NCIS show and uh, you know that show your grandparents watch, uh, <laughs> all of those CBS shows your grandparents watch. Uh, he's right. probably guest starred on at least a couple of them. That's right. But uh, yeah, I, I he does a solid job. He doesn't have a lot to do. He's in the opening scene and then gets to be a bit more menacing. I think at the end there when when Zeta's on the run in the in the train station, he's sort of calling out to him, telling him, you know, we'll we'll work this out. It's, you're just malfunctioning. Come back to us. We'll fix you. I, I, I think he gets to be a little bit more menacing there, but. I think he does a pretty solid job as uh, as as the evil government man. Yeah, he's fine. We know that uh, that he gets recast for this. This character comes back, but he gets a recast. recurring theme of this Zeta, <laughs> the of the few Zeta characters that were created uh, in this episode. Yeah, right. Exactly. So uh, I think 
uh, Kurtwood Smith, uh, Kurtwood Smith mm-hmm. uh, is actually who ends up being uh, cast as him, which is a, definitely a more prominent, recognizable voice. But yeah, he's fine. He's fine for this for this role. Uh, he has a little bit of of uh, of dialogue that requires him to uh, do some exposition in uh, explaining to to Barbara Gordon just who Zeta is, and he's fine. He sounds like a sounds like a, an evil government agent, even if he's not completely evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, otherwise, in the cast, we have Ehi McClurg as uh, as Miss Martell, really as Zeta, pretending to be her. But folks might know her from movies like Ferris Bueller, and uh, she's the car rental lady in Trains, Planes, and Automobile. It's, uh, <laughs> So, uh, some Who could fun... forget that, that, that award-winning role? <laughs> well, that is a pretty memorable scene of in, in the movie. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it, yeah. Um, another sort of character actor, sort of a, a lot of minor roles in in many uh, movies and, and TV shows over the years. But uh, I thought that was a, a good shout there. And, uh, yeah, speaking of uh, Zeta himself, we have Gary Cole, who uh, is another one of those guys who you may not know by name, but if you saw him, you've definitely seen something he's uh, he's done over his career. Uh, whether you would know him from Veep or uh, Talladega Nights or Dodgeball or uh, a lot of other uh, comedies from the uh, the early and mid two thousands, very talented actor. As far as a Zeta goes. They, they do have a voice effect. Now, we give them credit now, because this is like a scale we have to rate on now, uh, individually for voice effects post our uh, our Dr. Fate episode of oh, Superman. Goodness. Uh, with with both the Doctor and uh, and Karkle's uh, nearly un, uh, unintelligible voice performances in those episodes because of the effects. I can understand everything he's saying, and it's it's meant to be a cold robotic voice and he he's it's very much uh you know he sticks to that it's not they don't ask him even in those more quote-unquote emotional moments when he's describing his uh you know seeing the man's family or at the end when he makes the decision not to kill bennett uh i mean he, he sticks to that cold robotic voice i mean he does he does a fine job for what was asked of him yeah he's fine he it's not supposed to show any emotion and he doesn't even slip into even somewhat emotion as he decides to throw away his guns and even at the end when he chooses that very dramatic moment as you said where he has the choice to put down the weapon he doesn't uh doesn't come over the top and and show really any emotion at all so i feel like he followed good direction for probably for what uh, andrea romano requested of Mm -hmm. him to not really to continue to be a robot despite this changing of his uh of his dna in a way so yeah i think he does a fine job i i didn't find anything offensive by it uh they again they recast him he's not uh dietrich bader ends up playing Zeta on the actual That's show right. so they must not whoever was in charge of voice casting for that show i don't know if it was andrea romano or somebody else but they didn't didn't love it enough to continue or maybe he wasn't quite available or whatever for the project but uh, yeah they decided to move in a different direction for his uh, second appearance and uh, Zeta does return uh, in a Batman Beyond episode because there was a crossover that happened between mm-hmm. the shows later on. But I would assume that Dietrich Bader again uh, reprises Correct. that role at that point since he's established on the show. So he's uh, he's kind of one and done here. I, I appreciate him as a comedy actor, and uh, I would not have picked him out as the person that voiced uh, voiced <laughs> Zeta for this. So I think he he does a fine job at being a robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, of course, as as mentioned, uh, probably the best stuff is him playing off of Cree Summer as Max. 
Um, and and as mentioned, there's no Kevin Conroy in this episode, no Bruce Wayne at all. So, we, so uh, Will Friedle is is does a solid job as as Batman. Um, I think in in the scene where he sort of takes Max aside to you know to tell her that he's not sure that he can kind of just let Zeta walk away. Um, I think I think he does some good some good work there, and and then that that final scene as he as he sort of has his his faith rewarded uh, as as Zeta doesn't kill Bennett. I think he does some good stuff there, but yeah, overall, uh, you know, not a not a great job. I didn't think by anybody, but not a bad job either. And I settled on a six out of ten for voice acting this week. Yeah, I actually went on the same. I gave it the same score, six out of ten. There's not an over-the-top, I I don't think, performance. I think Cree Summer, this might be some of her best work that we've heard so Mm -hmm. far. Um, She has a lot to do in this episode and uh, a a fairly large role to carry because uh, she kind of plays the role, I guess, that we would normally get Kevin Conroy. We get, you know, that... (laughs) that different voice than you hear than other than Terry or the, right. the voice of reason to Terry. So uh, she kind of has the, the larger load to carry for this week. So I think she does a great job of, of doing that. Uh, but there's not a lot, I feel like performance wise, there's nothing that's bad. It's just, there's not a lot this week that I thought was outstanding. Yeah. And I will just mention here, cause I forgot to mention in plot that the, the voiceover at the, at the, uh, at the train station that, I believe that is also Cree Summer doing that voice. Uh, happens to mention uh, both Central City and Dakota, which Ooh. I believe this was the first mention of uh, of Dakota because I think this episode predates uh, Static starting on uh, on Kids WB. So, so that's that's weird because remember they didn't they didn't right. intentionally plan it to be linked to the so, DCA so yeah maybe they knew the show was in production and they didn't know whether it was going to be that well we and again we saw that in static later on where they referenced the titans right that's and true. then that that show didn't end up being a dcau show so yeah that might just it was an, i guess they just picked a, a random other fictional uh dc town to mention besides central city but yeah i thought it was worth worth noting that uh, that D- dakota gets a uh, gets shout still no idea what state it's in but uh, it does exist midwest sometimes probably <laughs> maybe we don't sure know. all right well that will begin to wrap us up for today so we need to give our final scores liam totaling everything up for this week's episode i end up with a 23 out of 40 what about you yeah, and I'm just a couple notches higher. Uh, I am at a 25 out of 40. Um, rewatchability. <laughs> this is again like a reversal of what I feel like is normal, which, which is where we go. Well, it's not really that important, but it's a good episode, so watch it. Here, it's like I didn't think this was a particularly great episode. It's not bad. It's a pretty easy to watch 22 it's minutes. Very middle of the road, as far. But as yeah, it, like this is not one I would put on, especially not as a Batman episode and and in in a bubble, Correct. which is how we we kind of review these. Um, I don't think it really w- it would get a thumbs up in that way. But this not only does this character come back in its own series and back into Batman Beyond later on, but uh, yeah, as we mentioned, these these robots or prototypes of Zeta show up in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, and even sort of indirectly tie into Cadmus stuff. So I think you do have to watch it because I think you. Like that, those references in Justice League are there for people who saw this episode, and people who know who Zeta is. So, in order to enhance your viewing of the, like, if you want to get all the winks and the nods, especially that I, I think they started putting in the later seasons of Justice League, this is this is one of those winks and nods. So, yep. 
Yeah, I think this is an unfortunate. This is an unfortunate must must watch. <laughs> um, I I think it's a must watch. So if you're watching the entirety of Batman Beyond, yes, because there's another episode later on that you you know that references this directly that has the character show mm-hmm. back up. You have to has to be included in the Batman Beyond mythos. Um, it definitely is in the grand scheme of things. It has its own show that, like it or not, because because Batman Beyond shows up on it mm-hmm. and there's references to other Batman Beyond episodes on that show. We ha- and other characters. Yep. It's a part of the DCAU, so you have to you you have to you know include <laughs> this character in it. This is his origin story essentially. Yeah. So or the, you know his first appearance in the in the DCAU. So you, you have to watch it for that reason and for the the tie-in to the Cadmus stuff and that stuff is sort of ancillary. Maybe you could explain it away and maybe just not get it if you so choose not to understand it. But to understand why they're referencing those specific robots in those scenarios, yeah, I think you you have to watch it. So yeah, don't watch this because it's a great episode. Watch <laughs> this because you have to. I think yeah, we set is, on. <laughs> yeah, this is it's too integral to to both the Batman Beyond series and to and even has like we said some ties to the uh, to series that came after this, but were set before it. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think this is definitely a, a thumbs up for its timeline and and DCAU importance, not so much because of its quality as a standalone episode. Yeah, I agree. All right, Liam, well, that would begin to wrap things up for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to check us out uh, on your favorite social media platform, uh, at DCAU Review. Liam runs our Twitter account, as I always say, and does a great job over there. We love interacting with you guys. So if you have a thought on this week's episode, if you have a thought on Zeta, if you have a thought on whether or not this is an episode that you must watch, uh, send us a tweet, at DCAU Review. Join the conversation. You can also uh, follow us over on Instagram at DCAU Review. There, we tend to post clips from the episodes that we're covering throughout the week. We got some other great DCAU content always going up all of the time. So make sure you give us a follow there. You can also send us a message on there if you have thoughts and you don't have Twitter and uh, you want to join the conversation. Go right ahead and do so. Don't forget also if you listen to us on your favorite podcast app and you would like to support us. So we got a couple different ways you can support us. So you can do so by subscribing to us on your favorite podcast app. If that podcast app uh, allows you to leave a review, you can go ahead and do that. Leave a five-star review, maybe a little paragraph about what you love about the show, what uh, what you enjoy about it. We always love a reading feedback, positive and negative. So if there's things that you like to see differently done, uh, leave that in the review also. Also, uh, if you want to support us another way, you can go ahead and pick up a shirt or a hat, a, a piece of merch, if you will, from the DCAU uh, Review uh, merch shop. You can get there by going to DCAUReview.com. Click on the shop, pick yourself something up. And if you don't have extra dollars that you want to throw our way, that's totally understandable. We still love you. Uh, but you can head on over through onto YouTube and you can subscribe to the Pod Tower YouTube channel. That is where not only you get our content, our entire library is available for listening there in video form, uh, videos with all of the audio attached to it. And then we <laughs> post the new episodes each and every week there. But you also get great, amazing podcast content from both the Watchtower database and Tim Talk as well. Both both teams there doing some great stuff in their own right. So check that out. So you can support us by subscribing there. We're looking to get uh, boost our subscriber f- uh, subscription ship. That's not the word. I don't know what the word. Is. <laughs> boost our subscribers there. So uh, do us a favor and follow that. But Liam, uh, coming up next week, we will continue here with Batman Beyond. 
meaning that uh, we have a, another episode to cover here uh, in the future Gotham. So what do we have on tap for next week? That's right. Next week is a exciting episode. It not only is going to feature the return of Agent Bennett already. What? It's going to feature... Uh, the return of a maybe one of our favorite Batman Beyond villains that we've covered to date. That is the return of the Stalker in the episode Plague. A lot of a lot of stuff there. It also introduces the Cobra group, which comes back quite a few more times in the in the last season of Batman Beyond. And uh, so lots lots to discuss. Uh, a lot packed into uh, a 22 minute episode, and we can't wait to discuss it next week. That's right. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCEU Review. Bye-bye.